Thanks for listening to the Rock Hill Podcast. At Rock Hill, we're all about reaching people with the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus. Listen in as Pastor Matt Chappell teaches how God's Word applies to our everyday lives. All right, good morning. Good to see you guys this morning. First Sunday of the new year. First Sunday of the new decade. How was your last decade? We've always got a new one, so we're excited about that. It is great to be with you guys. Um, I had the opportunity maybe a year ago to be here for a men's event, and that was awesome. But to be here with you, worshiping on a Sunday morning, uh, for me and my family is a real blessing. We are uh, members of Coastline Baptist Church. Started attending Coastline 20 years ago and uh, watched all of the phases of growth and ministry happen. I remember when we started, I was serving in the Marine Corps, uh, started at the Harding Community Center. Julie was like this tall and running around getting in trouble and stuff, and that's where we started. But uh, man, this is an exciting time to be a part of a church. I was serving as a Marine, um, doing really well, I enjoyed my career. I was, I was excited about what I was doing. I had pointed my entire life toward that. Started attending Coastline Baptist Church, and it was a time like this, like the one that you're in right now. And uh, there were a lot of reasons I stepped out of the Marine Corps, started working actually on the staff of the church. But one of the big reasons is because we were in a church that was growing and going and doing stuff for God. And it was just so exciting. Uh, I didn't want to leave, and I couldn't bear the thought of taking my family away from that church. And uh, God uses times like this. You guys are in an, an exciting time. I hope you know that. And uh, you've got a lot of people praying for you, certainly. Uh, the, the church family at Coastline Baptist is praying for you and supporting you. And uh, we're all in with you guys and appreciate what you're doing here. Thankful for Matt and Katie and what God is doing through their lives. And uh, hopefully you're excited when you hear about them having the opportunity to get away. Uh, for a little bit. Uh, I pastored, uh, I've served on a church staff, I've pastored, I'm now leading an organization, and uh, man, as great as all of those things are, it'll wear you out. And as you're getting into a new year, uh, what a blessing for them to be able to get away, and I think you guys know that, but uh, what a blessing for them to be able to get away, get recharged, and come back for Vision Sunday next week. And uh, you guys are going to have a great time. Uh, I don't know what level 11 is, but I'd kind of like to be here to see it. So maybe I'll get a video, somebody can take a picture, send it to me, but level 11. Uh, man, it's awesome to be with you guys, and uh, I just want to encourage you this morning, and, and my goal, you know, I asked Matt, is there anything you want me to preach on? He said, anything you think God wants you to preach on, and uh, I'm, I'm thankful for that liberty, and so I want to share with you today, uh, really talk about something that is near and dear to me, and maybe near and dear to you. As we get into the new year, there are a lot of things that I could talk about, but I believe there is one obstacle that prevents many of us from doing what God wants us to do. I think it's an obstacle that's common to us. I think it's something that if we don't address it specifically and head on, it will keep us from fully being what God wants us to be. And that obstacle is the obstacle of fear. Anyone in here ever experienced fear? <laughs> the rest of you are lying. You're afraid to raise your hands, right? What are some things you're afraid of this morning? Just shout it out. Spiders. Spiders. Uh, uncommonly common, the spider fear. Yes. What are some other things you're afraid of? Failure. Failure, change, right? What else? A new year, a new decade. There's all kinds of stuff to be afraid of, isn't there? There are things that we would share maybe in a setting like this one, and then there are those things that when someone says, what are you afraid of? You know exactly what it is, and it makes you feel sick in your stomach. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Got to go back to work next week and deal with something you don't want to deal with. 
Maybe there's a family issue you're dealing with right now or something you have to confront later on. And when you think about that thing for which you are afraid, it's almost debilitating. Man, I know I've experienced this in my life. One of the things I know about fear is that once you've dealt with it one time, you're going to have to deal with it another time. It's not something you conquer and then it's all over. It's something you deal with and then you deal with it again and you deal with it again and you deal with it again because Satan has not found a better tool to keep you from being what God wants you to be than to throw fear in front of the path that you're walking. Guys, I want to talk about fear for a few minutes today, not because I like talking about fear, but because I know how common it is to all of us. There's no better place that I can find in all of Scripture than 2 Timothy chapter 1 to discuss this issue of fear. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to read a couple of verses, then we'll pray together, then we'll jump into this. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 5, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Verse number 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. What a strong statement. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning and for your goodness to us. We thank you that as we enter a new year, there is certainly excitement for what is possible. We know what has happened in the years and the decades behind us, but we don't have to be tied to those things. We can go forward in a good way, and we thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of, of serving you and living for you. And I just trust that as we discuss this issue of fear this morning, that God, you would help us to identify it clearly for what it is and to make a decision to not allow it to keep us from moving forward in the way that you would want us to live, the way that you desire for us to live this morning. God, I pray that you would encourage our hearts, that you'd strengthen us, that you'd help us. Thank you for Matt and Katie and the family. Pray that you bless them this morning. Bring them home safely. Thank you for what you've done, for what you will do. In Jesus' name, amen. We come to the book of first books of First and Second Timothy, and we understand, and perhaps you're familiar with the story of Timothy. He was a man who spent much of his ministry life with the Apostle Paul. If you're not super familiar with the New Testament, Paul the Apostle was a man that came into a relationship with Jesus Christ after doing a bunch of stuff he shouldn't have done. <laughs> stuff like, you know, killing Christians and stuff. <laughs> he was not a good guy. But he came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I'm thankful that in the example of Paul, we know that our past does not need to define us. And regardless of where we've come from and what we've done, if we'll surrender to what Christ has for us, he can do a great work in our lives. How many people get so wrapped up in what they've done in the past? Anyone ever done anything stupid in the past? Yeah? Same liars not raising your hands. <laughs> By the end of this thing, everybody's going to be honest in this room. <laughs> We've all done stuff we're not proud of. Some of us have spent years doing things we're not proud of. And somehow we think that disqualifies us from being used by God. The Apostle Paul was a man that understood. I've done a lot of bad stuff. I persecuted those who follow Jesus Christ. I've gone headlong the wrong direction, but I can turn around and trust God to use my life. Paul the Apostle was a man that God used not only to reach others with the gospel message, the good news that Jesus loves them, 
but was a man that God used to write most of what we have in our New Testament. What we understand about Christianity comes from what was written by the Apostle Paul. What we understand about how to live and pursue Jesus Christ with all of our hearts comes from what was written by the Apostle Paul. God used Paul in a great way. Paul was a man who, who struggled to do what God wanted him to do, who lived for God, who walked for God, who suffered tremendous persecution while doing all of it. He preached the truth. He planted churches. He had friends. He lost friends. He invited people in and watched people leave. Eventually, he would be martyred for his faith. And through all of that, there was a young man by his side, a man by the name of Timothy. We don't know exactly when Paul met Timothy, but Paul considered himself a father in the faith to Timothy. Probably as a teenager, he left his home, he left his mother and his grandmother. He would have had a father, the Bible indicates to us, that was not a believer in Jesus Christ. But he met Paul, Timothy did, and came into a relationship with Christ and began to follow him and serve him and help him as he traveled and spread the good news of what Jesus had done. So through all of the ups and downs, the good and the bad of the life of the Apostle Paul, Timothy was there. I say all of that to get to this point. If there was anyone that should have been able to live a courageous, fearless life, it was Timothy. He knew what God can do. Not just because he was told what God could do, but because he had seen what God would do. Paul is now writing a letter to Timothy. They've been separated. Paul, uh, in a short time, will lose his life. He's writing some letters to try to mentor those that he had come in contact with over the years. Timothy, foremost of them all. He writes a letter to this pastor. Timothy is now pastoring in a region called Ephesus. This is modern-day Turkey. Ephesus at the time was a major transportation hub, people coming and going. Uh, it was a pagan environment, a pagan city, in fact so pagan that the temple to the goddess Diana was there. Horrible acts of worship were taking place. And through all of it, this young Timothy was establishing a church. We know all of that. We know that Paul writes to Timothy... And Paul's going to say some really neat things about how to organize a church and how to minister to people and how to help people. But before he gets into that, he says, hey, Timothy, God has not given us the spirit of fear. Now, why do you tell someone not to be afraid? Because they're afraid. <laughs> you know what Paul was saying? He was saying, hey, Timothy, stop it. <laughs> stop being afraid. Whatever it is that Timothy was going through, Paul understood and he had seen it and he, he, he had uh, hoped more and believed more for Timothy. And yet something happened that caused Timothy, this man who courageously followed the Apostle Paul, to find himself in a place of fear. I'm not sure what it is or what it was, but 395 times in the Bible fear is mentioned. It's pretty common. It's something that we can all relate to. I know for me, I have a lot of things that I'm afraid of from time to time, but there's one thing that comes up again and again. I have this fear that I just can't be good enough. This fear that I'll never accomplish enough or do enough or say the right stuff, and sometimes that fear gets in my way. 
and prevents me from being what I believe God wants me to be. And we all have things like that. Those fears. I serve with an organization called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Some of you know this, but we work primarily with men and women who have served in the military or are serving, dealing with combat trauma to one degree or another. It's an amazing thing, and it has been over the years, to see men and women who have served in combat, proven combat leaders, people who are fearless in the face of the enemy, find themselves in a place in their life where they can't get up in the morning and go to work, where they can't hold down a job or maintain a healthy relationship. So often, fear can prevent the most able individual from doing what otherwise would seem pretty simple. For those that have endured trauma and are dealing with trauma, uh, they know, and if that's you, you know, that fear is the thing you're really dealing with. Fear that it's going to happen again. Fear that I'll be out of control again. Fear that I'll be hurt again. Fear that this will happen again. What are you dealing with when you're dealing with trauma? You're dealing with fear. But one thing is also true. Trauma is not reserved for those who have served in the military. Trauma is just a part of life injury and hurt and people walking out on you when they should be walking in. It's a part of life. And so often, it can cause fear. What do we do when we find ourselves afraid? Well, for many, we just say, I can't do it. I believe God wants me in ministry, but I might not be good enough to do exactly what it is he's called me to do. I don't have the education or the finances or the opportunity Perhaps I believe God wants me to serve, but I have nothing to offer. Man, you guys have such a great opportunity to serve in this church. Uh, I don't know what all you have, but I know what you have in abundance. The need for serve. <laughs> Find a place, plug in. You don't have to serve everywhere. I remember when I was still in the Marine Corps, uh, my wife was serving in our nursery at the church. And uh, she said, hey, this would be a great thing for us to do together. I have four children, they're here, but having four children does not mean you're good at having children. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so I was in the Marine Corps. If you're an infantry Marine, you probably should not be in the nursery, and there was a little girl, and she was so obnoxious, this little girl. They're obnoxious when they're like two years old. Can I get a witness anywhere in the room? And I was a leader of Marines, and I knew that she needed to go over there, even though she was right here, and she didn't agree with me. It was really her fault, everything that would unfold. So I just moved, here for, moved her from there to there. I picked her up by one arm and carried her across the room, and apparently that's not acceptable. Who sets these rules? My wife looked at me and said, it's time to leave the nursery. Don't ever come back. You don't have to serve everywhere. But you can serve somewhere. We're not all good at everything, but we're all good at something. But fear says I'm not good enough. I can never do that. I have nothing to offer. We talk about being a gospel witness, and so often there's the fear that we will be rejected. We all have a voice, and yet we say I'm not relevant. We want to raise kids to do what God wants them to do, but we're so afraid we'll do something wrong, and on and on and on we can go. Fear does not always look like fear from the outside. You can be scared to death and look normal to everyone around you. Which leads to another fear. <laughs> the fear that we'll be found out for being afraid. 
So then we start to criticize others, people who are courageous, people who are doing things that we don't have the courage to do. Why? Because we're afraid. So what do we do when we're afraid? We see this in our text. I want to share this with you this morning. Number one, understand that fear is human. Let yourself off the hook. (laughs) Fear is human. We will all be afraid. Even Timothy, the man who, who really had every reason not to be afraid, experienced fear. I love Psalm 56 and verse 3. The Bible says this, the psalmist declared, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. You know why I like that verse? Because he doesn't say, if I find myself afraid, or if potentially something happens in my life that causes me to be a little bit scared, he says, when I'm afraid, because it's going to happen, that's when I will trust in you. Fear is common to all of us. So we hide, afraid that someone will find out that we're afraid. We believe that there's something wrong with us because we're afraid. But we need to understand, number one, that fear is human. Fear is not bad. It can be helpful if it keeps you from doing things that would harm you. Fear becomes bad when it keeps you from following God's plan for your life. When it keeps you from doing the things that God has created you to do. Caution and planning and counsel and thought, those are good things in action because of what might happen. That's when it becomes bad. But don't ever be ashamed to be afraid. Just commit ahead of time, as the psalmist did, that when you are afraid, you will trust in God. Number two, you guys with me? Welcome to the new year. (laughs) I'm supposed to say things like, it's going to be amazing, it's going to be awesome, you guys are going to love it. Let's deal with fear this morning. Number two, know that fear doesn't come from God. Now, these seem like opposite concepts, the fact that fear is human, but that it does not come from God. But truly, it's normal to be afraid. But that fear, that shadow of fear, if you will, that spirit of fear he talks about in this verse does not come from God. Fear is a concern over what might happen in the future. Fear is a concern over what might happen in the future. What he's talking about here is not that natural fear, the fear that if I jump off of here, I might hurt myself, or if I put my hand on a hot uh, stove, I might burn myself. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about that spirit of fear that you can relate to, that dark cloud that sets in on you when things are happening that make you not want to move forward. That weight that's not real, but it feels as real as it could possibly be. That spirit of fear does not come from God. And yet we blame God, don't we? We say, well, God, if you would not have put me in this position or in this situation or allowed this thing to happen or that thing to happen, then I would not be experiencing this fear. And God would say, perhaps something like this, maybe I put you in that position so that you would trust me. Fear, although it's human, it's natural, it's normal, it comes to all of us. It doesn't come from God. Listen to me. Faith is the confidence that even though I don't know what might happen, God does. Fear comes because we know that we cannot control the outcomes of our decisions. Control. Raise your hand this morning. I know half of you will lie to me, but... 
Raise your hand this morning if you consider yourself a control freak. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Put your hands down. How many of you would not raise your hands because you will not be told to raise your hand? <laughs> yeah, that's the rest of you. We're all just obsessive, compulsive weirdos, all of us. You know why we experience fear? Because we have to be in control. You guys with me? We make it something that it's not, don't we? Fear is really this. Fear is saying, if I cannot control the outcome, then I'm not going to move forward. Fear is a lack of trust in God because we want to know how it's all going to turn out. Acting on fear is the opposite of acting in faith because it is dependent on us and not on God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, a verse I go back to often says this, without fear, without fear, back up, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Wait a second. Without faith, I can't please God? Why is that? There are a lot of reasons. We could talk about salvation and the faith necessary to accept the gift that God, through Christ, has so freely offered. But we also understand that what God plans for us and what God has for us and the hopes and dreams that God desires for us are bigger than anything we would ever hope or dream or desire for ourselves. God wants to do something through you and through your family and through your relationships and through your future uh, that you would not even imagine. It would be scary to you. And, and fear says, uh, I'm not going to do that because I can't control it, because I don't know how it will turn out. Faith says, I believe that God is bigger and that God can do something important in my life if only I'll allow him to. It is impossible to please God if we're living a life of fear. Why? Because he has a path and a plan and a purpose for you that cannot be accomplished if we don't first Trust him. And yet we're afraid. Parents, you know this. Why do we want to control every aspect of the lives of our children, even as they get older? Because we're scared. And yet on the other hand of that, uh, other side of that, there are parents who, parents afraid... <laughs> They don't do the hard things or say the hard things or deal with the hard things because they're afraid of how the child may respond. Afraid. I'm not going to do what needs to be done because I'm scared of what they might do or I'm going to hang on to everything and control every aspect of life because I'm afraid of what might happen apart from me. Fear. Fear is the opposite of faith in that it prevents us from being able to trust God even though we can't see the end from the beginning. We understand this as we try to live a life free of fear. Man, this is, this is important. If you're not writing things down yet, write this one down. <laughs> you have all that you need to accomplish his will. You have all that you need to accomplish his will. And you don't have to take my word for it. <laughs> Listen to me. Fear is saying to the one who created us, I know what you want me to do. I just don't think you have given, every, given me everything I need to do it. Fear is saying to the one who created us, I know what you want me to do. I just don't believe you've given me everything I need to do it. It's a lack of confidence in the one who gave us our gifts. 
When God gives a gift, he also gives the strength, the capacity, and the mental, the, the mental ability to leverage that gift for his purpose. I don't know what you're afraid of this morning. Uh, I don't know what you dream about, but limit yourself on this morning. Uh, I don't know what God could do through your life if only you would allow him to this morning. But listen to me. I know what it's like to say, I don't have what I need to do what I believe God wants me to do. I live there. That's a pervasive fear in my life. But we have to understand that when God calls and God leads and God sets opportunities in front of us, he also equips us to do exactly what he wants us to do. You have everything you need to do what God wants you to do. And in this new year and in this new decade and in a church that's taking off for the glory of God, you have everything you need to do exactly what God wants you to do. Look at our verse, verse number seven. God has not given us the spirit of fear. We already talked about that. But what? He has given us some things. He's given us power and love and a sound mind. You know what that power is? It's the ability to do what God wants us to do. Have you ever said this? I do it, but I'm just tired, too tired. I'm too busy. I've got stuff going on. I don't have the power. You have the power if God's called you to do it. Power, the second one there is love. Sometimes I say this, uh, I just don't have the capacity for more. I can't care about more people or, or do more things. I'm limited. I can't go any further. But love is God opening your heart and opening uh, who you are, giving you the capacity you need to do exactly what he's called you to do. Good. I believe God wants me to, to take care of people. <laughs> I don't like people. <laughs> God will give you the capacity to do what he wants you to do. I believe God wants me to go out into this community and share the good news of Jesus, but I, I'm not sure I want to or I can. God will give you the capacity if only you'll trust him. I've been hurt in this relationship. I don't know if I can continue to deal with that. Listen to me. God will give you not only the power, but the capacity to do what he's called you to do. It's not up to you. Fear is what's talking. But that doesn't come from God. He's given you power and he's given you love. But the next thing he's given you is a sound mind. And I love this one because I'm not very smart. <laughs> Sometimes I'll say this. I'd do it if only I knew how. I need wisdom. James chapter 1 and verse 5 says, if you need wisdom, ask for it. And God will give it to you. You see, God knows what you need. What you need is power. That's the ability to do it. You need love. That's the capacity to understand what he wants you to do. And you need a sound mind, the mind, the mental capacity to do what he set in front of you. Philippians 2 and verse 13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You don't have to do it. You just need to trust God to do it. I love this. I love it. Because every day, there's something in my heart that whispers, you're not good enough. You can't do it. You're not smart enough. You're not talented enough. People will reject you. These are the things that are said inside of me. <laughs> it's going to hurt too much. And yet I know that God will do the work that he set out to do if only I'll trust him. We're almost done. Uh, the structure of these verses is backward to how I would set them up. So I started with number three, and we'll work up. <laughs> Verse number six. 
Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by putting on of my hands. Check this out. Do the work. Don't wait for the answers. Do the work. Don't wait for the answer. You say, look, I don't feel like it. It's too hard. I'm not sure it's going to work out. Where do I start? You start where you are. You start by loving. You start by speaking. You start by sharing. You start by serving. You start by giving. You start where you are. Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, here's what you need to do. I know you're afraid. I know you're not sure. I know you're uncertain. I know there are objections coming up in your mind. Here's what you need to do. You need to stir up the gift that's in you. God's put it in you, and you need to stir it up and stir it up and stir it up, but I don't feel like it. Just keep stirring. But I don't want to. Just keep stirring. But it's too hard. Just keep stirring. But I'm afraid. Just keep stirring. It's in there because God's placed it in there. You need to just start doing the work before waiting for the answers. Do what you know you're supposed to do right now. Life is a journey taken one step at a time. Christian life is a journey taken one obedient, faith-filled step at a time. Proverbs 3, you know the verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding in all thy ways, the Bible says. Acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Finally this morning, continuing backwards, we need to ask in faith. He started with faith and worked his way down to the gifting. Verse 5, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. I like this, verse 5. He says there's unfeigned faith, unchanging, unwavering faith. He then names a grandmother and a mother, and he says, and I believe you also have faith. <laughs> he says you have faith, and he says I believe you have faith. We need faith. James chapter 1 and verse 5, as I mentioned, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Trust God, do the work, and know that he's given you the gifting. I was uh, in Iraq in 2003 during the initial invasion. First Battalion, 5th Marines, we breached the berm from Kuwait into Iraq, and we started making our way north on uh, March 19th of that year. You guys are familiar with everything that happened there. A couple of days later, we had been traveling for uh, about three days, um, nonstop, hadn't slept, exhausted, all of the things that everyone in this room has probably experienced. <laughs> we were sitting on the side of the road in the middle of the night. A battle was taking place called the Battle of an You may have heard of it. Um, that was the night that an army soldier by the name of Jessica Lynch was kidnapped, and there were a lot of things that happened that night. We were sitting in the dark, and uh, I was in my vehicle, kind of in our convoy, about 1,200 Marines, probably the safest place on the planet at that exact moment. <laughs> it was the middle of the night, tired, exhausted, and I had two radios in my vehicle, and so I was listening to both radios, one in each ear, and one was what was kind of happening here, and then one I could hear what was happening, happening over there in Nazaria. Uh, it was a few miles away. We could see the explosions. So all of this is happening. <laughs> and there was this overwhelming, like someone dropped a piano on top of me, fear that hit me at that moment. 
And again, you guys have experienced this in your own life for other things. But it was like a real weight had been dropped on top of me. I was, for no good reason, scared to death. As fast as that fear came in, a verse came in, uh, parents, if you don't make your kids memorize verses, you need to make them memorize scripture. My dad used to make us memorize scripture, and I never liked it. But at that moment of fear, a verse came into my mind that I didn't even remember memorizing. (laughs) Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10. It's an amazing verse. God is speaking to the nation of Israel, and he says this, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen you, yea, I will help you, yea, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. In that moment of extreme fear, when things were spinning out of control around me, God, in a very real way to me, said, look, stop. I'll hold you. In my hand, it's going to be okay if only you'll trust. What about you guys this morning? What is it that makes you sick when you think about it? That thing that brings fear and dread. Listen, I can't take that thing away. But I know this. If you'll trust God more, He'll do things in your life and in your relationships and in your job and in your future that you can never imagine. One day we'll all stand before God and we'll give an account for the way that we've lived. I don't know exactly how that interaction will happen, but sometimes we paint the picture that that interaction will be kind of like going to the principal's office. God will listen to us talk and then he'll yell at us and then he'll send us out crying. (laughs) That's at least how it was when I went to the principal's office. The Bible describes God as our Father. You know what I want for my kids? I want them to be the very best they can possibly be. You know what God wants for His kids? He wants us to be the very best that we can possibly be. And God may at that meeting point out some fear that we allowed to get in the way. But what God wants more than anything is for us to have a relationship with Him stepping over or around the fear and saying, God, I don't understand it all, but I'm just going to trust you. God demonstrated his ability to conquer our fear when he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sin. I don't think I have to convince anyone in this room that we've all done things that would violate what a perfect God would want us to do. Those things that violate God's perfect will are what we call sin, and sin is what drives a wedge between us and having a relationship with God. The Bible tells us that it is because of sin that we're separated from God forever, and if we die in that sin, we'll spend eternity in a place the Bible calls hell. But that great verse, you know it, John chapter 3 and verse 16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Here's the truth of scripture. That God knew exactly what you needed. We talked about that. He's equipped you through his son, Jesus Christ. 
If only you'll put your faith, your confidence, and your hope in what Jesus did for you when he died on the cross in your place. And when he was placed in that tomb to rise again three days later because he's God, if you'll put your hope, your faith, and your confidence in that, the Bible tells us that our sins will be eternally forgiven. You know what keeps people from entering into a relationship with Jesus Christ? Fear. Don't let fear prevent you from being fully what God has created you to be. Can we pray together? Thanks again for listening today. If this message was an encouragement to you, let us know. You can email us at hello at rockhill.church and keep up with all the latest news at rockhill.church or on Instagram at rockhillchurch.com.